You are listening to the Story Soil Podcast, where we build science fiction and fantasy worlds from the ground up. I'm Lauren Harris, and I'm a fantasy author. With me today are plant medicine PhD and crop safety scientist, Dr. Sarah Tabor, and world-building aficionado, Adrian Erickson. Welcome to part one of the podcast that will answer the question, what what even are bees? Stick around as Adrian and I systematically or erratically pump Sarah for information, research, stories, and theories. But first, a Sarah disclaimer from our last episode about plants in zero gravity when Sarah went off on the following rant. And chefs are very, very good at making things that are going to be consumed instantaneously. They are not good at making stuff that has to go long distance. Like that is not their wheelhouse and they need to stop. <laughs> so, like, oh, there it is. There it is. That happened. That yeah, happened. yeah. So you you said you had a disclaimer about this moment. You know, it's not it's not that it's untrue. It is true. I, I stand by that. But it's just, you know, we, we can be kinder talking to our chef friends. Yeah. She meant stop it with love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call Sarah Tabor if you want to know how to do better. <laughs> Give that lady some business. Okay, so on to the bees. Bees! Bulls. Bulls. Sarah, you know some stuff about some bees. Yeah, okay. So once upon a time, we moved to Florida because my husband got into school at University of Florida. And then I had just finished doing like an undergrad degree in soil science and was just looking for jobs. The lab in Florida that does bee checks was looking for just like general purpose, like Igor type of person. <laughs> and uh, bees, bees, master bees. That's not Igor, that's Gollum. There's a difference. Yeah. Precious bees. It's Beegor. Beegor. <laughs> <laughs> so they were hiring Beegors. And so I signed up. A little bit of bee background. Uh, in the beekeeping business, we talk a lot about how most of the bees in the country go to California for the almond pollination season. Like that's kind of a thing that folks looped into the ag conversation are, are often aware of. The nation's migratory bees have been parking in Florida for the winter for like a long ass time. Now, is are these migratory bees, they're not the ones that migrate themselves. They're the ones that people schlep across yeah, the US, like, right? They're like people with the bees who migrate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like the bees migrate like butterflies. Yes, thank you for clarifying. We have most of the country's bees parking Florida for the winter because that is roughly when the orange crops need to be pollinated. Like they bloom late winter, very, very early spring before the almonds are are pollinated. So it's funny because the almond industry in California really started to be a thing within the last like 20, maybe 30 years. So all the bees kind of going out to almond to California to pollinate the almonds is like a newish thing. The the Florida citrus industry and like the whole bee population, like the migratory beekeepers going down there um, to pollinate and also just to spend the winter somewhere warm where their bees have food to eat. That's been going on for a very, very long time. So Florida's kind of set up for that. They kind of found like, oh, with all the nation's bees coming down here and in a relatively small area, they can give each other diseases a lot more easily. So we should like do hive health checks to make sure that people aren't bringing, like there's a few serious bee bee diseases. Uh, Fowl brood is kind of the big one, I think, that kicked off the inspection program. They just didn't want all these beekeepers who are like hanging out next to each other, kind of giving each other bee diseases and then 
bringing them out to the entire U.S. They're like, let's not, let's not do that. Yeah, you don't want to take out the entire nation's bee population with the bee version of coronavirus. Yeah, or even just make them kind of like, you know, like don't try not to give them a cold if you can help it. You know, like just make sure the bees come in are healthy and they stay healthy and they leave healthy and all that stuff. So the bee hive inspectors, so those were usually like retired beekeepers who are taking on like a little bit of extra gig work because it's kind of hard to find people who want to drive around the state and like deal with strangers who don't want to see them and like pop open beehives all day. Like that's kind of a Mm. shitty job kind of. Mm. So most of these guys were retired beekeepers. And so they like knew all these guys, like they, they knew the other beekeepers. My favorite, I forget his name, but like the way he talked, it was like he'd inhaled like a couple too many bees. (laughs) (laughs) He'd come in and he'd be like, Hey guys, how you doing? (laughs) And it was amazing. So like those guys would come in and bring in samples that had to be tested for various things. Another big thing that was added because of the like Africanized bees that were introduced to the U.S. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do pretty well in Florida. And so everybody was freaking out because they're like, what if all the migratory beekeepers go down there and then their slutty queen bees have sex with like wild, mean Africanized bees and they come back and all of a sudden there's Africanized bees in the entire U.S. Like, what do we do then? So... <laughs> So that was another thing they had our department checking out. So these beekeepers would also like get samples for that. Sometimes people would mail us just like dead bees in jars, you know, <laughs> like they just like put them in alcohol, send them to the department so we could do measurements. Cause there's like specific measurements on the wings where you can measure it and go like, does this one have like a significant portion of like Africanized genetics in it? Is it likely to be like just a behavioral <laughs> problem B uh, or like does this hive have a genetic problem? It's kind of funny because the panic over Africanized bees in a lot of ways was kind of overblown. Can you explain a little bit more about the different bees and why there's a panic about the Africanized bees? Because sure, people don't like know. me. Right. Okay. So like Africanized bees, they are a lot more like defensive about their home because they have to deal with honey badgers. Like that's literally why. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wow. You don't generally think of the bees having to deal with honey badgers. Like yeah. other small animals? Sure. But... But honey. Yeah. So that's why they're like that. Um, Honey badgers. Yeah. And there's also like they, I think they put their nests in trees like most other honeybees. Um, And so there's just a lot of megafauna in Africa that either likes to kind of scratch on trees or push on trees and they can damage the hive. And so they're also really defensive just to like make elephants go away. Like that's what they're dealing Mm. with. Um, So just they have a little bit of a different personality from honeybees. So they're like the elephant dart of bees. Yeah. You know, and and it's it's funny because it's not like they're unmanageable. They're just like more than American and like European beekeepers are used to. And so they're like, oh my God, this feels wrong. Uh, (laughs) Okay. The folks in Brazil actually bred them on purpose because like Northern European honeybees don't make it so good in Brazil. Right. Mm. And so, yeah. Is is that because of the heat? Yeah. So Africanized bees, you know, they're like more of a tropical critter. And so they're used to that. They have a lot fewer reproduction and disease problems because they're just adapted to tropical environments. So there was a project in Brazil to kind of like, okay, let's breed these together on purpose. Let's kind of like select the offspring for, you know, all these survival characteristics, but also like aren't always acting like they're trying to get an elephant to leave, you know? And something went sideways and they got out, you know. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> they escaped a lab? They, well, it wasn't a lab. It was like experimental. High, I've heard so many different versions of this story that like it could have been four different labs from like the 
just they simultaneously me. escaped four different labs. Yeah, not that they. Escaped. It was an organized effort. It was. It was the hive mind. Yeah, no, it was just one lab, but there's like so many different accounts of how it happened. It's like, well, psh, who's to say? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Some way, somehow, they got out the lab. Yeah, I think what went on was like, so queens are bigger than the other bees. Mm-hmm. So they had queen excluders on the hives. So like the workers can get out and go get food and water, but like they can't swarm out new hives. Like they can't lay queens and like have them go start new hives. But like just a hive, uh, one of the queen excluders got knocked out. And so a hive swarmed. Oh, yeah. Because you can't keep bees like in a cage 24 seven, like that just don't work. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's my understanding about what happened. And then they just kind of, you know, like, we're really successful. (laughs) They spread. And they're just a different personality than folks who are used to like, so like honeybees in, in Northern Europe, humans have been getting rid of predators there for a very long time. So they don't have as much to protect against like humans and like, I don't know, maybe wolverines. (laughs) Are those even in Eurasia? I don't know. Like weasels, badgers, that kind of thing is, is what the bears. Yeah. Like not so many bears even in, in most of Northern Europe anymore. Or like Northwest. You mean Europe. Winnie the Pooh lied to me? I mean, England, you know? No, she means yes. Oh, <laughs> well, like okay. the, the biggest predator in England, I think is, is like a fox. I think they reintroduced the lynx in Scotland. That's the kind of level of predators we're working with, say in the British Isles. And that's where a lot of the, the brood stock that American beekeepers are working with. So we test all the samples for these statewide beehive inspections. We had some research hives, you know, like we would do some experiments like, hey, let's try this thing to fight mites. My favorite one was just like dust the bees in powdered sugar, um, <laughs> which sounds so goofy, but like... Did it work? It worked because so like it was also like around the time when colony collapse was a thing. And <gasps> so we were trying to find ways to fix colony collapse. So we had these research hives. And one of the ideas that we had about why colony collapse was happening was that there is this parasitic mite called varroa mite and maybe it just weakened them so much that it killed the colony but like maybe that was part of it is yeah, colony but, collapse just the death of a colony of bees and so like a hive just dying is kind of a normal thing they have like a 10 to 20 percent mortality rate like hives are an organism sometimes they die it's just that's actually kind of natural but when a, it's happening a lot more then you have a problem right so it was a really interesting time to be in beekeeping because we were kind of on the tail end of like the africanized bees panic but Colony collapse was happening, like mites had been a recent thing. So we're just trying to deal with like all these different bee health problems, doing all this research and stuff. And again, my favorite one is sometimes we would open up the hive and sprinkle powdered sugar on them. <laughs> Can you imagine just like chilling in your house and then suddenly somebody starts like hurling Someone just lifts the roof off you? and sprinkling powdered sugar in your hair? Yes. <laughs> and the reason for that was like, because then they'd be like, oh there's this stuff on me. And then they would just like groom each other to get it off. Mm -hmm. And while they were doing that, they would go like, Oh girl, you got a giant mite on you. Let's kill it. (laughs) (laughs) So like, like, this is beautiful. Yeah. So basically it encouraged grooming. Yeah. So like normally they do that, but like, I mean, wouldn't you take a shower if you had powdered sugar in your hair? Bingo. Mm-hmm. But like so varomites were a new pest i think they're from asia they're actually there's another species of honeybee in eastern asia that's a little bit larger um and folks do keep them for honey over there but that mite came from them and then somehow i made it to the u.s and so it's a new parasite for like american and european honeybees they just don't know what to do with it they don't know to look out for it and so you just kind of had to like put their grooming behavior, like just like kick it up into high gear sometimes. And then they would find them. But normally they'd just be like, oh, I don't feel so good. Because this mite compared to the honeybees is huge. It's like having a critter the size of a basketball just stuck to your shoulder, sucking your blood. What? 
And they just didn't bother. Yeah, they're just like, ugh. <laughs> like just, I don't know. Um, we did find eventually that you can kind of breed honeybees to be a lot more groomy. Groomy bees. Yeah, they're just like extra fastidious. But that's never really something people had like bred before in bee behavior. So that was, there's just all kinds of weird stuff that was happening at the time I worked in that bee lab. So um, what about bees as pollinators? Uh, I mean, they're okay. <laughs> yeah, you had a you had an interesting um, episode of your podcast, Farm to Tabor, which everyone should go listen to. It's excellent. About bees as pollinators or about how they actually are not that great at pollinating versus quite a bit of other organisms that are out there. Right. Yeah. So for pretty much any crop that's out there, there's actually a better pollinator than honeybees. They're generalists. Like they're pretty good at most things. Um, But like, say, for example, for orchard crops, like apples, cherries, peaches, almonds and things like that, there's a native bee to North America called the blue orchard bee that like, so honeybees will kind of take a break if the weather's bad. And blue orchard bees are like, I've got six weeks to live. I'm doing this now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're the pony express of bees. Yeah, they just have like different behavioral spectra and things like that. The issue is just that like people are really used to keeping honeybees. Like we know how to do that. We have a system down. Um, We have people who have been professionals at it because we used to raise them for honey for like thousands of years. Uh, One of my favorite little tidbits about Victorian times is that they used to be required to go tell the bees when someone in the house had died. Well, yeah, so bees can recognize different people. And um, I believe... That if you're a dick to them, they will remember you. Like crows. Yeah. So like they have a little, they're, they're very social animals. They have some awareness of who's what, you know, and, and they kind of mm-hmm. have to because they have to be on the lookout for critters that are going to come raid the hive. And so they need to know the difference between like uh, a raccoon that knocked the place over versus maybe like a weasel that's not going to bother them because it's not into them. Mm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. So that, that is a thing that they do. Fascinating critters. They they really are. Um, I know a little bit about bees because I, it was one of my brief obsessions for a while. Read lots of books on them. And we have a, um, a hive that's walking distance from me that is inside a building. And you can see it with a gla- through a glass wall. And you can watch the bees come and go. And um, some of the behaviors are really interesting. Like the queen and her court. How she's always surrounded mm-hmm. by other bees. Like in a circle, you can find her because you just look for the weird circle of bees, <laughs> and she's like in the middle, circle. and they're all sitting there just cleaning her. It's like, yeah, you kind of look like for the crop circle and the bees. So when I worked in the bee lab, I actually had a microscope. Like when we were measuring the bee parts, um, mm-hmm. my microscope was next to. We had one of those demo hives, like they'd bring it out for like school bee days and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was like that plexiglass fronted hive. I'm just like next to this giant hive of bees at all times. And like, you can just kind of hear what's going on in there. And you're like, Hey girls. Oh, it's hot today. I know if you bump the table, they'd be like, Whoa, <laughs> it was cute. But yeah, like also there was, there was a vent in the hive, like right next to me. And so just all the pollen in there, like it would be kind of coming out. And I was just like steeds constantly. It was great. Oh, great. <laughs> well, one of the other interesting differences that, um, I learned about with the queen is that she is much longer than the other lady bees. The hive that I was near, their queen died and they were queenless for a little while. And they tried to reintroduce a queen with one of those little queen excluders. Yeah. Like the little candy box. 
So yeah, it was like a box with a candy stopper. So the bees would get used to the new queen, but they would have to eat through the candy stopper. So they couldn't just kill her right away as a traitor. They had as like an outsider. They they would get used to her being the queen there. Sometimes they would kill her anyway, but it helped her chances. You imagine being the queen in there and you're like, man, I hope my spells have taken hold by the time they get through that candy plug. Like just what is that experience like? Anyway. Uh, one of the interesting things is, meanwhile, while the while they're waiting for the queen, they sometimes feed the eggs royal jelly <clears throat> to uh, hatch another queen. But oftentimes they can't do that because it's the some of the lady uh, worker bees have laid eggs, but they can't fit their butts all the way down in there. So because they're not long enough, so they lay them kind of on the side. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get some one that they'll kind of recognize as a queen, but they're never good queens. Yeah. All right. So get this. Okay. So this is fun. Um, Cause I, I spent hours next to this beehive that was see-through and I would be like, wait a second. Them workers is laying eggs. <laughs> like they're doing it all the time. No one knocks about this. Um, so what'll happen is like, like you mentioned, like their butts aren't long enough to get down into the, like the bottom of the cell. So like the queen will just kind of lay like one little egg right at the center of the bottom and the workers kind of have to like paste it onto the side. So the other workers can tell and they're like, mm, somebody's getting out of line and they'll just eat the eggs. It's um, no. <laughs> usually what happens. Um, they're cannibals. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a fail safe. So they haven't, they haven't ever done the sex. So they can only lay drone eggs um, because drones have one set of chromosomes in, in mm. land. So they can only have sons. Like they can't have babies, but only sons. Um, yeah. And and then the drones are going to fly the coop, basically. Or, yeah. Or the hive. They're going to flee the hive. So basically they're raising, <clears throat> they're raising boys for nothing. Well, yeah. They're, so they're raising boys is kind of like a genetics, like escape valve. Like, you know, just mm-hmm. in case the hive itself dies, at least some of our genes live on um, mm-hmm. is probably the philosophy. Um, but if the queen is still there, like part of the influence of her queen pheromones is the other, the other worker bees are like, I see that I'm eating your eggs. Asterisk. Mm-hmm. There's another asterisk. So sometimes the other worker bees will let it slide and they're more likely to let it slide if the eggs are, if the eggs belong to their full sisters. So most of your hives are parented by a queen and then lots and lots and lots of drones because the queen mm-hmm. will go like once she leaves her home hive, she will go have lots and lots of sex on one flight and then come home and be good because the more genetically diverse your hive is like the more baby daddies you have going on, the healthier it is. So the worker bees will kind of play favorites a little bit, depending on whether like the eggs are from a half sister or a full sister, they're more likely to let the full sister one slide, which is really interesting to me. Well, my brain is immediately going to like magic systems with this. So (laughs) (laughs) I think it was because you said, I hope my spells work from the queen's POV. And I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) pheromones it's all good spells pheromones so what do you know about the hive structure they'll kind of do like they're very improvisational they'll just kind of build around whatever they're in like often they'll be in like kind of a hollow dot trunk tree trunk or something Mm -hmm. hanging off a limb and i mean they just make hexagons because in their head i think they're like well i just need a hole of this size and then when you put a bunch of holes of that size together they smush into hexagons is kind of how it goes people who breed queen bees did find that if you give bees like they have a thing called foundation so it's just kind of like a sheet of wax with little hexagons printed on it Mm -hmm. because then the bees will see that and they're like oh i need to build a cell here and they'll just kind of like build it out the rest of the way 
Yeah. Um, they copy the structure. Yeah. Like they'll just, they're like, Oh, someone started this. I'm going to finish it. Like that's just how they think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people who make fertilized queen bees for a living will have a thing called a drone yard. So they just have like a bunch of hives that have really good genetics. And they're like, okay, I need you guys to make a ton of drones because this is where I'm going to release my Queens on walkabout. So. (laughs) Wow. Yes. So they have specialty foundation for that, where the cells are a little bit smaller because when the queen bee's walking around um, picking cells, like if she's around cells that are a little bit smaller, she's more likely to lay drone eggs because she's just like, Oh, they don't need as much space to develop or something like that. Oh, So you can use that to kind of influence your bees to make like either smaller worker bees or larger ones or make more drones and things like that. Okay. Um, I mean, here in America, for the most part, we think of, you know, honeybees, we get our honey um, and, you know, flooding around our little clover and everything. But I know there's a lot of, I mean, more types of bee than we could cover, but, you know, there's the big bumbles and then like the little sort of honeybees that you see, but those big categories that people are aware of, do they all produce honey? Do we only use them from the one type? Are yes. bumblebees more like pollinators? Like what's what's some of the, the differences there? Yeah. Okay. So there's like kind of your classic Afro-Eurasian honeybees. And so that's the genus Apis. So like- uh, That's why we have apiary, et cetera. Yeah. So like European honeybees, Africanized honeybees- um, those are the same species, different subspecies, I think. Um, there's at least one more over in Asia, Apis serena, and some people keep those, but they're more aggressive too. So like you have to really want it um, <laughs> to keep those. Let's see. And then in like Mesoamerica, there's a different genus of bees. So these Afro-Eurasian bees all sting. Like they, they defend the hive using stingers. The stingless bees in Mesoamerica are not defenseless. They just do it by like swarming your mouth and nose and ear holes instead of stinging you. And you're just like, oh, oh my God, I'm leaving. So they're just like, suffocate them. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I would leave. Yeah, I would leave too. Your, they aim for your holes. It's really something. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's worse. That's kind <laughs> of kind of terrifying. I mean, yeah. bees also aim for your holes. They just sting while they're doing it. So it's like, uh. So do all bees or only some types of bees uh, die when they sting? Yeah. I, mm, at least all the honeybees. Yeah. And it's, it's only like the colonial, like they make a lot of honey and brood and they have to sting to defend the nest bees that do that. Um, solitary bees just don't really sting in general. So what do you mean by solitary bees? Well, they, they got the DIY lifestyle. Um, so they're like, they don't have a queen or like every female bee is a queen. So she's, she's just is a single mom and she raises her kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what's, what type of bee is that? Is, can any bee just go like, fuck society? I'm going to go off and be a single mom in the woods by myself. It's just like certain species of bees are like that. Like oh, okay. different lifestyles. Um, Cause that was like going to be respectful of those <laughs> feminist ass bees. Well, I mean like working together with your ladies is, is, is feminist as well. They just have a different approach. Yeah. Right? So it, yeah. it's just, just different lifestyle strategies. Um, these are super feminist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also like hive bees that make honey out of dead meat. That's kind of cool. Ooh, and gross. Corpse honey. Yeah. That's, I don't know exactly how they do it. Cause if you're going to make honey, there's got to be sugar coming from somewhere. So they must be doing flowers also, but like they like to put a little meat in their jerky. 
Well, some people dip their bacon in syrup. There you go. I don't, I mean, I don't think, honey cured ham. Yeah, I don't think that's like available on the market or anything. Like that would be, I think I would leave it, you know? <laughs> I think I would have to try corpse honey. They have big But then I would though. probably be convinced that I'd poisoned myself. Right. You're like, botulism. Um, yeah. They got I mean, it sounds like something that would be used in some uh, forms of witchcraft. So it really does. You're like, that shouldn't exist, but it does. <laughs> Corpse honey. Well, like uh, most. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know what it it is actually called. I think they call them vulture bees. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, most of your bees, they just eat flower and like, they're just flowers, pollen and nectar and like nice stuff like that. So they don't have really robust mouth parts. Like they don't have big teeth, but the vulture bees have to saw up carcasses um, and fly away with chunks of meat. So they do. That is crazy. Vulture bees is a great metal band name. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) For anyone who needs to know. For any, I mean, the, we, we give freely of our ideas on this podcast. So, well, we're getting close to um, <laughs> time here, folks. So uh, any last questions or notes or answers or stories about bees? I have like deep existential questions. Like, what is the bee experience like? But I don't think anyone <laughs> can answer these. I think we you all did talk about existential vor- questions, but that's not what this podcast is about. I mean, if we could interview a bee, that'd be awesome. You did say something about wings and vortices last time. Oh, yeah. Um, that I, I I just remembered. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you guys have heard that thing about, like, we did the math. And according to science, bumblebees shouldn't be able to fly. You've heard that one, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was really going on there? Was there just like, okay, we're trying to figure out, like, okay, these bees are, are huge. And they got little wings, like what's going on there? And so there's a lot of different ways flight can work. Like you have the airplane style um, where you're just going really fast and forcing air like over that curved top surface. And then there's like hummingbird style where they're, it's almost more like a helicopter Mm -hmm. um, where they're moving the wings really quickly um, in kind of like a loop figure eight pattern. And so I, my understanding of what was going on was they were just kind of trying to go like, okay, so bumblebees are definitely not using the airplane mode. Like that just can't work just based on the size of their wings and how they're moving. It's probably like more like the hummingbird mode. Um, Mm -hmm. The way they move their wings is they just make, instead of making like that smooth flow of air over the wing, they're creating vortices that have, I'll say like a vacuum, but they're, they're making air currents that, that, let them go up as opposed to like just smooth flow over a still wing surface, which like, obviously their, their wings are moving. There's, there's not a lot of glide involved there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just did math and they're like, Oh, it's true. And then people were like, Whoa, God is real. <laughs> <laughs> All like, right. Well, valid reasons, valid reasons to believe that, but like honeybee flight physics is like not among them. So <laughs> if that's what tipped you over the edge, I have questions. So, yeah, I guess uh, unless anybody has anything else, that's all for part one of Bees! Bees! Keep your earbuds primed, because we'll be back in two weeks to build a world. Are you an expert in a field? Have your own questions. Send us an email at storysoilpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep the fun growing.
definitely the one that's really punny. What are you doing? Get out of my territory. <laughs> I'm in a mood. The bees aren't helping. The punmanship in that lab was like on another level. I was like, it's frustrating to work here. It'd be like, hey, we're going to have like a training on the thing. We're going to try and get a lot of beekeepers there. Like, ooh, somebody would go like, ooh, are we generating a lot of buzz? It'd be like, stop it. <laughs> they'd, they'd be like. <laughs> that is correct. It was, it I hope everyone hives fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nonstop. So 